Hello, and welcome back to the Growth Circle podcast. I'm your host, Lincoln Amstutz, and today I've got Jason Karima on the podcast. Very excited to have this interview with him. A little bit about Jason. Uh, Jason is a 26-year-old business owner, real estate investor, and believer in Jesus. Jason owns a couple of phone repair shops, has done several deals in real estate, and is focusing heavily on growing in this space. He is a natural entrepreneur with big goals and dreams that he is looking to attain. Jason is also a personal friend of mine, and I know firsthand he is a person of great faith, character, and a strong work ethic. So I am uh, excited to bring him on. And without further ado, Jason, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thank you. I, I appreciate that nice introduction, and I'm happy to be here, man. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's it's going to be a good conversation. Uh, we've talked a lot of business throughout the last couple of years, and uh, but I haven't ever got really the full story and some of the details that you know I hope to get into today. So uh, my first question to you would be, uh, you've jumped into several different business ventures in your 20s, from phone repair shops to retail stores, and more recently, real estate. Uh, can you give us some insight into your start in business and how you chose the different industries that you're involved in? Yeah. So originally, uh, I was working at the at Arc of the Ozarks, and uh, I kind of got into a bunch of different e-commerce websites. So I would try different, like I would try selling different products, or I would start uh, building websites for people, and I just never really made any money. I tried all these different online stuff and then uh, I had broken my iPhone 6 and I was like crap like I didn't really have a whole lot of money so I didn't want to take it somewhere and it'd be really expensive to fix so I looked up on eBay uh, the parts I found them and ordered them and then I watched a bunch of YouTube videos and figured out how to do it and so uh, I just started taking apart my phone and it took me three hours I did it on this tiny little uh, coffee table and literally, there was parts covering the entire thing. It was it was crazy. And, and the screws, if you've ever seen them, they're like itty-bitty. So uh, that was quite the experience. But uh, anyways, I get through about three hours, and then I'm, I'm all excited because I don't have any parts missing. I just have everything put together. So I turn it on, and I had lines running through the screen. And I was like, crap, and they weren't there before. So I was like, oh, gosh, what do I do? So uh, 15 minutes went by, I kind of flipped out and came back and realized I hadn't pushed the cables in hard enough and it was fixed. I was like, oh wow, this is awesome. Nice. So uh, I was kind of jumping up and down because I was like, finally I fixed it. So it's like, well, maybe I could do this on the side. So I would, uh, I put some Facebook marketplace listings out and said like I offered a phone repair service. And so people uh, messaged me and we'd set up a time to usually meet like in a public place, like a, like a gas station or something. And, uh, I'd fix their phone in about 20 minutes, hand it back to them, and they'd be like super happy. But I kept hearing over and over from like so many people like, man, this is awesome. I really appreciate it. But man, this looks really sketchy like a drug deal because they'd hand me a lot of cash and be like, thank you so much. So uh, everyone kept telling me, hey, you should start a store. So that was kind of on my mind a lot is like, man, maybe I should start a store. And then I'd met my now business partner, Brian, back around that time, uh, what happened was he would sell me a phone for a really good deal. I'd turn around and sell it and make like a $100 profit on top of it. And he'd make a profit as well. So, And he just kept doing that for me over and over and giving me these super good deals. So I'm like, man, I really appreciate this guy. And he kind of had similar goals to start a store as well. So I was like, well, it makes sense for us to partner. 
So originally we were going to start one in Joplin, and we looked like at a bunch of different strip malls trying to find a space to lease, and everything was pretty pricey for us since we didn't have very much money. A lot of them were like 1500 a month. And so uh, we just kept praying about it, and uh, God kind of opened the doors for uh, our first location was actually in Monette. The rent was $400 a month. And let me, let me say this, at the time, I only had, between me and my partner, we only had $800 together. And then I had $300 worth of parts that I had, um, basically in the back of my car that I was taking around everywhere trying to fix people's stuff. So we, the rent was $400 a month, and they didn't require a security deposit. So we just gave the $400, and we were in. And then we took $100, me and my wife, uh, we painted the whole store ourselves. We, would, we both were in school. And then we had both had jobs at the time. So we'd go to school, go to work, and then from like 6 to midnight, every night for like a few weeks, we would just bust our butts and uh, get everything painted and get everything ready and kind of skunk that store. And then uh, there was a uh, restaurant that was going out of business, and they had this really nice stainless steel tabletopped um, counter thing. And so they were using it as like cabinets and stuff. So we flipped it on its side somehow and then cut out a few pieces of it and turned it into our main table. And we still use it today, actually, which is really cool. But, I mean, it was at, it was at least worth $600, and we got it for like 90 bucks. So that was an amazing deal. Yeah. Um, and then there was like just so many, like, looking back, it's really humbling to see, like, I feel like God was really faithful in a lot of it because... There's no way that we could have done and pulled all that stuff off by ourselves. So that was really amazing. Yeah, but it's um, quite the start, for sure. Yeah, I mean to, to so jump we, into it like that. Yeah. So moving forward, we uh, kind of we got we finally opened and kind of got started, and we were like just slowly growing. And so a month or two went by, and then. I asked my wife for a loan, and she has a different side of the story. She always says that I just stole the money out of her bank account. <laughs> but I, I always say that we were uh, that we talked about it. I don't know. And and it's crazy because at the time we were dating, but we we basically knew we were going to get married, so it wasn't a big deal. Like it doesn't. It sounds really bad. Like I went and stole my girlfriend's money out of her account and everything, but but it really wasn't like that. We we pretty much knew we were going to get married. So. Uh, Anyways, uh, she had $2,000 saved, so we took that money and put it into uh, the business, and we were able to get a little bit nicer chairs and uh, kind of get get the store looking like more of a storefront. And uh, so that really, I think, helped us uh, become or look at least look more professional. And uh, I, I really, I don't know, ultimately I think that kind of helped us a little bit. Um, having that little jump and we were able to get more inventory as well. Right. And then I wanted to say this, cause I think you probably have some young entrepreneurs that watch your show. So I want to tell people that a lot of times when you're young, like I always had, I had struggled with getting people to take me seriously where I always felt like people wouldn't take me serious cause I'm young. And so I believe that like use that as your advantage, like people, when you're young, I've noticed that a lot of people are more gracious because they kind of understand, like, you're young, you're trying to figure everything out. And so I think people are, are a little bit more gracious whenever you're young, and they kind of want to help you. So just kind of lean into that. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree, man. I mean, I had a similar experience with 
getting started in lawn care, you know, I was real young, 13, 14. And I was like, man, are these people going to, you know, take me seriously? Is it, you know, what's this interaction even going to be like? But like you're saying, I do feel like older people or people that are, you know, uh, more in their professional years are wanting to help out, you know, the younger kid that's looking to get started, the younger, you know, business owner, entrepreneur. And so, yeah, to not let that be a holdup in any way. And, and, to me, yeah, what you're saying here in getting this business started, you know, $800 in your all savings account, but you knew that this is something you all could make money at that you, you know, had done a little bit to this point. I mean, that's quite the, you know, just jump straight into it. And I think that's huge of just taking action and going for it. I mean, what was the decision making behind that? You're in school, uh, you, you know, you've got just this job currently, why not continue working that job? What caused you to just say, hey, let's go forward and start really, the business? Really, I think it comes down to knowing what I wanted. I knew that I wanted freedom. I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur. And I was I was really hungry. So I was like, man, whatever I can do. All... And our goal at the time was just get to where we don't have to rely on our jobs. Like, like we, we basically burned the boats. Like we uh, both quit our jobs and then just went uh, just straight into it. And like I said, we had $800 and we invested all of our $800. So we didn't really have anything to fall back on. But I mean, we were, me and, at least me and Haley, we both were still living at each, our parents' houses. Like she had her parents and I had my parents that I could, you know, if I really needed something then I would, I would be fine. But uh, really, I think you have to take that leap of faith and just go all in. Otherwise, if you give yourself a way out, then you might not give it your all. And like you might not try as hard as you could have and might not have gotten as far as you could have had you given up or, you know, whatever. So, uh, and Brian was kind of, Brian didn't have a whole lot to, to uh, fall back on. So he took a pretty big leap doing this too. But, you know, we believed in it and we knew like, you know, we knew it had to work because, you know, we, we were already pretty busy just meeting with people and fixing phones and everything. So, uh, right. Right. I think that's a big thing is being willing to just, you know, they say don't have necessarily something that you can fall back on. You know, a lot of people want this safety net, this thing of, well, if this doesn't work, I've got this, it's fine. You know, fall forward, right? Fall in a direction that at least you're you're working on something. At least now you're committed, you're all in, like you're saying. And that really pushes you to go to the next level with it. Like you're committed. You've got to make this work. There's no other option here. And I think that speaks a lot to the success that you've had and, and, and where you've gotten in just a short amount of time is that willingness just to, to push it all in and go for it. Uh, what, what was kind of the next step then? Cause you're, you're putting money into the business now, you know, you're starting to get some traction, make it more professional. Uh, what was that growth so like? Within a year after that, we, uh, we started our second store in Carthage and, uh, we, we, at the time we were just big on growth. Like I didn't care. Like I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I knew I, I had this dream life that I wanted to live. So I was like, I need to scale. I need to keep growing. And we, it was like, I feel like my whole life, I've just risked like all my money over and over and over again. And luckily for the most part, it's worked out. Like there's times where it didn't, but ultimately like I just, you know, was like all in over and over again. And so we started the store, didn't have very much money. It was actually really embarrassing when we had our grand opening for Carthage because we literally had like five cases or something and they showed it in the, like the chamber 
where it's like, and they have a, a selection of cases too. <laughs> it was literally like five <laughs> cases. It was like so embarrassing. But, uh, but I mean, we just hustled and, and, uh, I remember that store was like the same story. We, uh, we worked our job, and then afterwards, we literally worked until like 2 a.m. one night just trying to get the store ready. And luckily, I had mentors and people that really cared about me. And one of my mentors actually came and helped me um, get the store set up. And his son, or future son-in-law, uh, helped as well. And man, that family uh, just did a lot for me. And so I really appreciate them. Because, I mean, he, he built us a table. He helped uh, fix a bunch of drywall, and I didn't know how to do any of that. He did a bunch of different things for us. So I was really, really thankful for the people that were in my life that kind of helped me become who I am. So, Yes, that, that's it's huge to have those people around you, that strong circle, a mentor yeah. that you can look to for wisdom advice that will help you in those times where, yeah, you're just trying to make it happen where you're not, you know, positive what to do in, in all those different ways. And yeah, couldn't agree with you more there. And I, I want to ask you more about that later um, as well. Uh, to me, I mean, it's it's crazy that you had this one store, you got it rolling and, you know, making money and then pretty quickly open the second one. Uh, like what was the timeline between opening the first and the second? And what was the first just crushing it, doing well? Or like, did you just try and open the second as fast as possible? Yeah, so I think it was within about a year. I could be wrong on the dates, but it was around a year, I think. And uh, another thing I forgot to mention is when we actually had our grand opening for the first store, like the Monet store, uh, we actually hit our record day at the time. Like It was like a month and a half after we opened, I think we had our grand opening. And we hit a $500 a day. Um, and we thought we were like racking it in, like raking it in. Like we thought like, we were like big shots at the time because we're like, holy cow, we did so well. But now, I mean, that's pretty small change compared to what we do on an average day today. And, you know, like I think our, I think we had one record day now and it was like $8,000 in sales in one day, which is pretty good. So, really? Is that one store so between the two stores? stores? Yeah. That's crazy yeah. though. I mean, to go from 500 is a big day to 8,000. Yeah. I mean, there's, that's some serious yeah. growth. But, uh, yeah. but anyways, more, moving forward, after we started the Carthage store, um, I don't know if it was, I think six months to a year later, we moved it to a better location. And then uh, six months to a year after that, um, there was an opportunity for us to buy iProtect in Joplin. And it was a store that had been open for 10 years. And it was one of the big biggest stores in Joplin, like it did one of the highest volumes. And so uh, I, this is one of my, this is why I preach persistence so much because had I not been persistent with going to banks, I wouldn't have gotten that. I had to go to literally, I think five banks until I got the funding for that store. And we almost gave up after the, the third and then we almost gave up again after the fourth or whatever. And then uh, finally, uh, we just gave it one more try and was like, okay, if it doesn't, if this next bank doesn't do it, then we're done. And so I thought that was, that was a huge deal. And luckily we, we didn't give up because that's the bank that has helped me with the real estate and been able to open a lot of doors with that. But we can kind of get into that a little bit later. Um, but anyways, they yeah. did the funding and, and, uh, 
And also through this, I want to say, like, I was very, like, I prayed about every decision before we made it. Like, I've, pre- like, I've made mistakes. Like, I don't think God will, will just prevent bad things from happen to you, happening to you. But, I mean, I pray through every decision I make for the most part. And um, sometimes I've been wrong and lost money um, doing deals. And sometimes it's worked out. But um, I think you have, like, if you're not grounded in, like, your faith, then I feel like there's there's a huge piece in life that you're missing. And so uh, I just encourage everyone to really uh, build a relationship with God if you don't already have one or get connected with the church if you aren't already. Uh, yeah, I think that's a huge thing you're touching on is is that faith in God, that at the end of the day, you know, you're taking these big risks and leaps in, in businesses, but you've got your faith, you've got your belief in him that is so, you know, solid and you're assured in that you can have that peace, you know, even when things are crazy, good days, bad days, you've got that to rely on for him to guide you in making decisions. There's there's something there that if you don't have that relationship with God, you're just not going to be able to have. And I can attest to the same thing, you know, those days where you're not certain about these, you know, big decisions you're having to make, or, you know, maybe there were issues that came up, you know, that relationship with God, you, you, you know, not only fall back on, but it leads you into making the decisions that you make. Uh, so I'm, I'm, yeah, it's really awesome to hear that yeah. in your life as well. Yeah. Uh, for, for you on those, those stores then, I mean, obviously a lot of growth in, you know, the numbers and sales. When did you start bringing on employees to uh, those businesses? And what does that look like today? Yeah. So whenever we hit our second store, then we were able to, uh, like, I think a year into it, then we started bringing on employees. And uh, that was that was a challenge because I find it uncomfortable whenever I have to have, like, those uncomfortable uncom- conversations with them, like, hey, you need to do a better job cleaning this or whatever. But I think... Being able to be put in a position where you have to do that, otherwise things aren't getting done, at a young age especially, I think that's like invaluable um, to be put in those positions. And so uh, I think it's helped me over the course of, you know, each year I feel like I'm getting better overall. But um, I don't know, it's just sometimes you get put out of your comfort zone and it sucks, but you just learn from it and you kind of move forward. So... Yeah, when you're when you're a business owner, you're wearing all the hats. You're, you know, doing the visionary, the growth, where are we going with this? But you're also figuring out the day to day, running it for a while, and then you're bringing people on, then you're managing and training, and there's so many elements to it. I mean, where where do you feel like you naturally fall in that equation? Do you like the real, you know, getting in the weeds and the details, and you know, doing the work there, or do you like the growth and you know, thinking outside the box for that strategy? Yeah, I like to be. I try to be as passive as I can, but I want to make sure things are being run right. You know what I mean? So that's kind of what I try. Like, if you can figure out a way to delegate your tasks, then I think that's a game changer. Because, like, say, if you can focus on what you're good at, because I feel like God's given everyone a gift. And if you just focus on what you're good at, you can scale that way better than you can if you wore every hat. And uh, I don't know. That's just... That's my experience anyways. Right. Absolutely. I mean, 
you can only you only have you know the same 24 hours in the day like everybody else but if you can utilize other people's strengths and skill sets and time uh to benefit them and grow your company i mean that's that's the way to to grow and continue and i've got to applaud you for your persistence persistence there with going to those five banks because it's not an easy thing to do you know i've i've done the same and you're reaching out to people and you know you haven't really worked with them before and you're building credit and all these things it it takes you know some tough conversations and again, multiple trials of that again and again. So that's, that's huge that you did that. And I'm curious, was it this, uh, other business, this other store approached you, did you approach them when they were looking to sell and did they give you a price? What was that negotiation like? Yeah, so, uh, my business partner, Brian, uh, was already pretty good friends with the old owner. And so he kind of offered up it to us first. And that, that kind of is what that relationship was. And I mean, that just shows how important the relationships are. Like had he not had that connection, we wouldn't have ended up with that store. And, uh, another thing, uh, so I've actually kind of preached on this one time, like I'm not a pastor or anything, but, uh, one of our pastors let us preach on this, me and my father-in-law, uh, we talked about tithing and how important it is for us. And a lot of people, when they start tithing, which is giving 10% of your income to the church or to charity or whatever, uh, a lot of times when they start tithing, they are usually greeted with like some type of blessing. And I don't really recall what my blessing was. Like, I mean, I obviously starting out, I wasn't making very much money whenever I started tithing. I think I was working at the pawn shop. I was working one day a week and made $40 for that one day. And I was tithing $4 on that, basically. So I didn't really, you know, I, I wasn't a whole lot of money, but uh, it meant I couldn't get as much gas as I needed because that was basically my gas money as, like, a, you know, a high school or whatever. But um, anyways, I feel like God really blessed us whenever we bought iProtect because that was that was huge for us. That store did was doing really well, and... Um, I don't, I, that's just kind of my story with tithing and it just, I mean, it was, it came a few years later, but that was, that was a huge blessing there. So. Absolutely. There's, there's something to it. Uh, it's scripture and the Bible talks about it. And, you know, if you give into the Lord, you know, the blessing that he will, you know, return back. I mean, if you think about it, if you are willing to, you know, lend somebody some, some money, right and they are responsible with it, they are going and maximizing it, they're giving back, like these different things, you're going to want to double down and invest more into that person, more time, more money, whatever it is. And yeah, I think God does the same thing in our lives when we're generous, when we are helping those in our community that are in need, we're giving back to Him automatically, you know, at first, not maybe what's left over. There's there's absolutely... Uh, that benefit there, sometimes monetarily, but other times blessings in other parts of life with peace and relationships and and all the different ways you work. So I think your faithfulness there will go a long way. And, you know, like you said, with that store doing really well, uh, did, did that store become the main store in the Carthage area? Yeah. Uh, or did you, was that a, an additional yeah. one? So we kept the Carthage one for a little bit. And then um, and it made it made money, but we just felt like it wasn't worth the headache of having like an employee there or trying to manage a couple employees and and do everything when Joplin was only like 15 minutes away or 20 minutes away. It was close enough that we felt like, okay, we can just have this one store I protect 
and that'll service the area. So that's kind of what we did. And uh, it was, at the time, it really made a lot more sense to us because it was so much easier to manage. Um, yeah. So after, after I protect, um, I kind of uh, wanted to start branching out into other businesses. So me and my wife, I think this was a year, at least a year after we had bought iProtect, uh, we started uh, the Everything Shop, which was a liquidation company. So we'd buy, uh, you've probably seen on Marketplace, all those big pallets worth of different merchandise. Uh, it was a big craze a couple a year or two ago. But anyways, we'd buy truckloads of merchandise from like big box stores, and then we'd sell them at a discount. But the problem was we didn't ever know what our cost of each good was. Like it was like like say there's 300 pieces and it was like a six thousand dollar truckload or whatever. You could calculate it that way. But some things would be like a snowplower, uh, like a like a, a motorized snowplower, and then something would be like a, a screwdriver. So it was like pretty much impossible for us to create a system to where we could manage that. I mean, I'm sure people probably could figure out a way, but we didn't really have a system for it. And so uh, we were open for around a year, and then we closed that business because we, I think that the the price per item that we were paying, we couldn't really make a profit because we were selling it uh, at like sixty percent of retail, and we tried, we played with it, like we tried re raising the price to where it was a little higher, and people wouldn't buy it, and then if it was a little lower, uh, we didn't think we were making anything at all, and then. It was very hands-on, and I don't really like businesses that are super hands-on. So, like, every day I was out in the warehouse trying to um, put prices on everything, and we, we do these little printouts to where we showed what the item was worth on Amazon or whatever, and then we crossed it out with our price. And it was it was just a lot. It wasn't the right business for me and Haley, so we kind of moved on from yeah. that. But uh, another blessing out of that, though, was buying this building. Uh, it's like 4,200 square feet, and uh, we were we converted it to put our phone store in there. And then now I put my office and a studio and then a little event center. Like, really, it's mainly for my kids to be able to go and play because we, we do, like, the soft play stuff, like bounce house and different stuff like that. And then it's, like, the perfect place for my uh, material for my real estate business. So, because it has like the big garage door and it's like a warehouse and part of it. So that worked out really well. And uh, at the time we wouldn't have guessed this is what we would have turned it into, but uh, I mean, here we are. So, right. So you went from one store to two with, with the phone shops and then you bought this building um, and then made it the everything shop and you were selling out of it, gave that about a year run and then, you know, have moved on since. I mean, it's it makes sense of, you know, once you have those stores set up enough, it sounds like those those phone shops were essentially running themselves at that point. You didn't, I'm curious how much time you spent on those even after the fact, you know, starting your next business. How much time did you spend on those? And, uh, you know, seemingly you're making enough money to be able to buy this new building and take a step out. Yeah. So at the time, I was working at least probably 80-hour weeks because, uh, you know, when we bought the building, we had to do the rehab on it just like the whenever we were setting up our stores. But this was a much bigger project because it was 4,200 square feet of, of constant, like, improvements that we had to make. And we, uh, I had, like, a handyman that I hired to help me, and he did a great job. Uh, uh, at the yeah. time, we, we just had to work hard and 
you know, do it. Cause I didn't, I didn't know enough about hiring like a contractor. I didn't, I, I, we didn't really have the money to hire a contractor. So we had to just kind of scramble and do what we could. And we got a, uh, we got a working capital loan for the merchandise. So we used part of it to help us improve the building. And then the other part, we just bought our merchandise from. So, uh, okay. I think it's, again, it's very fascinating to me because there's people have a lot of different risk tolerances and philosophies, maybe even on savings and how you know comfortable they are. I mean, for you, it seems like you pretty much are always just going for it. Any opportunity you can, like, let's open the second store. Let's open a new business. Like, even if I have to be the one to fix it up and, you know, we're crunching numbers to try and save and get this contractor in here. It, it sounds like you've pretty much always reinvested. Like, how is that? Uh, what's kind of that philosophy for you? Has that changed over time? And and how have you seen the benefit of just putting it all out there? Uh, so for me, I don't know if I really have like technical philosophy, but I just believe that if you invest, like, like I feel like I have the hunger and the drive that no matter what, I can figure it out. Like, like the everything shop didn't work, but it didn't set me like it set me back, but it didn't set me back to destroy me it's because I had built a foundation. So having that foundation, I just kind of you know, risked what I could, took like pretty much all the money I had knowing that at least I have the income from the phone store to support me there and just put it all out there. And then like I've done that constantly. I still do that with real estate today. Like I've used all of my money to go out and buy the next property and I've used private money as well in banks obviously, but um, just constantly reinvesting ultimately I feel like has worked out pretty well for me. Mm -hmm. And you've got to, you know, of course you have to look at the risk reward, like, Hey, worst case scenarios, what's going to happen versus, you know, if, if we just buckle down and make this happen, which you have, like, where are we going to be at? And I often say, you know, in your twenties, like that's the time to experiment with different businesses, to learn new skills, to really, yeah, take the higher risk approach in, in life and whatever it is. It, you know, for the maximum, you know, benefit later down the line, you know, making sacrifices, right? Because you could have been satisfied with those couple of stores, just, you know, let's just save up some money, kind of kick back and let it do its thing. But you put the, uh, you press the gas down even further and kept rolling with it. And I, I think that's a huge thing that a lot of people can benefit from is, especially at this age, I mean, at any point in life, you can, but especially at this age, just going for it and um, betting on yourself to, to make it happen. I agree. So for you then. Go ahead. Yeah. I'm sorry. No, I was, I was going to kind of change, change it up. If you had a comment on uh, that. Yeah. I, I just, I agree. I think your twenties, uh, but even if you're past your twenties, like, I don't think like if it's never too late to chase your dreams. So if you're like 40 or 50, 60, 70 years old, like I can't remember, uh, KFC, it was started when the guy was like 70 years old and like he chased his dream and made it happen. So why can't you like what separates you from from them? Like there's like you're still human. He was human. You can go out and achieve anything you want in life, but you have to go after it. You have to take that leap of faith and jump and go for it. Otherwise, it's not going to happen. You can't like this exactly. is one of my favorite quotes. You can't hit a target you can't see. So if you don't have a goal. How are you going to hit it? Like, there's no way that you can hit a goal that you don't have. So you have to set a goal and then you have to review it every day 
and make a little progress each day towards it. Like you have to just at least be thinking about it, devising a plan, and then a lot of people can devise a plan, but they never take the first step. Take the first step and just keep going. I couldn't agree more. And that applies to everybody, right? Older, younger is, is taking that step and jumping in. Uh, for, for you then at this point, you've started this uh, everything shop, decided to go a different direction, repurposed your space. I think what you're using it for now is awesome, being able to have diff several different uses for it there. It's you know storage for your real estate and uh, the different things going on. Uh, when did you get into your first real estate investment deal and uh, what was that like? Tell us a little bit about that first uh, yeah, property. So 20, I believe it was 20... I think it was 2018 or 2019 we bought our first property it was just a little house in Pew City I think we bought it for around 28,500 somewhere in there and uh, we just uh, kind of fixed it up a little bit we I think we only put like $500 into it and uh, one of my first employees was actually the one that rented it from me and uh, so it was a good setup because I knew no matter what I could get rent I'm just kidding, but <laughs> I knew I, I was pretty safe with that tenant, and uh, he was a great tenant. Um, I, I remember me and my wife did something that was kind of cool. We, uh, she, it was actually her idea. She got him this big bouquet of like all these different things, like toiletries and um, towels, and just a bunch of different like cleaning products and stuff that he would need for the house. So, so it was kind of nice, and I know he really appreciated that. But uh, that was a really good rental. It worked out really well for us. And then uh, two, we kept it for two years. And then uh, the market started getting a little hotter. So we decided to sell it. And then I think we made around a twenty dollars or $25,000 profit. So that was good. And so we took that money. And then around that time, I had uh, I had partnered with a guy. And we started buying properties together. And uh, we just kind of took what we had and put, put our money together and just kept finding deals. And um, uh, it, w it went pretty good. We thought we were going to make a lot more money the first year than we did. But uh, we learned a lot. And I think that's the biggest thing. Like, if you can, like, even like on your first property, like, so my first property, it did pretty well, make 25000 after a couple of years. But uh, if you... Like on, it wasn't intentionally a flip though, and we didn't really flip it. We put like five hundred dollars into it, so it was just small repairs. But like when you get into flips, I feel like that's when things change quite a bit. Um, we hired a bunch of handymen to do it, and uh, we just learned like so much along the way. And then in the end, we probably made like a three to seven thousand dollar profit. So it was, I think it was like thirty five hundred a piece is what it was. So we didn't make very much money on it, but the experience was worth, like, well worth it because there were so many things we didn't know that we didn't know. And so we learned those little mistakes, and then we tweaked it, and we applied it to the next house. And then that one we made a better profit, and we did better. And we just kind of, like, like I said, unknown unknowns. Like you never know what you're missing out on, like what, what you don't know about. So if you can figure those out, and then tweak your system, then ultimately, like you're you're growing and you're going forward. Right. That that's a huge aspect is just jumping in. There's some education you got to have. You got to know you know some of the basics when getting into any business, but real estate deals. But you learn so much when you do it. I I completely feel the same way. 
And then that allows you to figure out, okay, maybe I don't want to pursue um, this aspect of real estate. Maybe I want to transition to that or vice versa. And so for you, it sounds like the first was a rental and then you started getting into some flips. Did you have the goal when getting into real estate of, hey, I'm just going to do this for a long-term investment to build up rental properties? Or did you know you wanted to do some of both with the flips as well? What was the decision-making behind that? I knew I wanted to have both, but I didn't have a whole lot of capital, especially after kind of taking a hit from the everything shop. So I had maybe $25,000 from that sale. So that's what I started putting putting into the real estate business. And I knew if I wanted to buy apartments ultimately, and that's still my goal is to continue buying apartments, then I had to flip and then take the money and reinvest it. And so we did several flips and then that built the money up to now where I just bought my first apartment complex. And so, uh, you know, we having, see, see, if you think about it, so my goal was apartment complexes, right? But I knew I had, I couldn't just jump to it. Or there's some, some people are able to, and they figure out a way to do it. But for me, I, I worked my way backwards. Okay. Oh, I took, I was like, okay, if I can flip this house and make this profit, I can flip it, put the money into another house, flip it, and just keep building the money up until where I can finally afford an apartment complex. And so if you kind of, re, if you take your goal and then re-engine, reverse engineer it and figure out what the early steps are, that's one of the best ways to, to hit a goal. And so that's exactly what I did. I like that. Yeah, you've got to take that that large goal that seems huge, you know, whether it's at the end of the year, the end of 10 years, or maybe for you, it's it's the specific of having this apartment complex. Yeah, reverse engineer it, work it back, break it down so it doesn't seem so scary. You've got to do that so that you don't know, so that you know more than, okay, I've got to do this between now and two years from now to get there. It's like, no, I know what I got to do this week, today, in order to get there and and breaking it down into very attainable steps. And that's what you did. You got into, you know, single family properties first. And uh, how many, how many flips did you do during that time? Or did you have a, a certain amount that you wanted to like save up so that you could put down on this? Or was it just a matter of working those? And then when the right deal came along, you know, executing and, and getting on it? So it was all kind of a combination of both. Uh, so basically, uh, I think we did like six or seven flips the first year. I could be wrong, but maybe we, I think actually we bought seven properties that first year. And then uh, some of them got completed the, the following year. Um, but then uh, after I think a year and a half, me and my partner kind of split up and we kind of were established to the point where we, like he kind of wanted to do more contracting stuff and along with investing, and I was I was pretty much done with the contracting stuff. I just wanted to invest in my own deals. And so we kind of split up, went our separate ways, and then uh, I started focusing on, like, just continue flipping. And then uh, I learned a system on doing owner carrybacks to where if I can get the owner to carry, like, 10% for me, my bank will only make me bring 5% to close with and plus closing costs. And I can buy a property a lot, like with a lot less money than I would if I had to put 20% down on a property. So I, that's what I did on my first deal. And so I didn't have to bring, I, I think I, re- I bought around, brought around 20000 or so to close on that first apartment complex, which isn't very much considering, you know, what it should have been. So if I can just keep doing yeah, that, yeah. then that's kind of how I see myself growing. 
So for, for this year, I would like to buy 50 apartments. I'm at nine, so I have a long way to go, but I have several prospects of like properties that I want to buy. And if I buy these next two deals that I'm looking at this year, then I'll be at 30 something. So then I'm not that much further to go to hit 50. So um, that's kind of my plan. I know it's I a it. huge goal and I might not hit it, but um, I, I always tell people like set a big goal and if you don't hit it, just change your deadline. There's no unrealistic goals, just unrealistic deadlines. So if I can, you know, maybe I right. hit that next year, that's still amazing. Like how many people, well, now there's a lot more people that are able to do it, but very few people can just go out and within the first year of owning apartments, buy 50 or first two years or whatever. So, uh, Absolutely. I mean, Michael Jordan says it, right? You miss every shot you yep. don't take and you've got to be willing to, Hey, I'm setting this goal at 50. And if I make it to yeah 30, then, Hey, then you're at 30 and you finish it the next year. You keep pushing it up. And so that's exciting. Nine units, uh, apartment units purchased this year, 5% down. You said, um, with the rest seller, seller finance carry back. So you just, yeah, you brought that 20,000 or so to the bank. And then are you going to be cash flowing on those properties? Um, obviously we're in a high interest rate environment. You're 95% leverage at this point. Um, what's the plan as far as yet? Yeah, is it going to be refinancing down the line? Is it, Hey, I'm cash flowing now. We're good um, to go for a few yeah, years. So uh, we got the appraisal back. I think it appraised for at least it was either, I think it was $70,000, uh, equity I already have in the property. So that's good. Cause, uh, cause nice. I got a $50,000 construction loan. So my, I'm all in for 310 and I think it appraised for 393, somewhere in there. So, uh, so I'm pretty set there. Um, but I figured out a way to, uh, increase my profit per year by about $10,000. And so, um, I, all I did was I started charging the tenants, um, for the utilities and there's definitely some pushback, but I think, Oh, after I kind of get through that hump, we'll, we'll get through it. But there's just things that you don't, that a lot of people might not think about to, to make more cash flow on a property. So, um, you know, once you kind of figure out different things you can do and just create those systems, I think, uh, I don't know, there's just a lot of opportunities there. Hmm. Yeah, I, I think that's a big, big thing with the commercial real estate when you're looking at raising the value on properties. There's obviously a component of improving the property itself and to add equity to uh, increase an appraisal. But a lot of it comes down to what the cash flow and increase the efficiency and higher income, lower expenses, all those things. So yeah, adding those utilities in is a big one. And there's gonna be a lot of different ways you can improve that value. Um, especially, I mean, if it's already 70,000 over what you paid for it before putting money in, I mean, you're gonna be be well ahead and we'll have options down the line. And that's why I tell everybody is you get a good deal, you've got different options, you can you can flip that right away, you can hold it, you can um, do new financing later. So you've, you've set yourself up for that and, and you're making money on it. So for, for looking for the next deal, where, where do you look for your deals at? Is it, do you try and stay in a pretty close geographical radius? Um, what, how are you looking to get yeah, into that so next deal? We typically look in like a 30 minute radius for Monat. So 
Aurora, Cassville, um, and just kind of the surrounding areas. Uh, but that's where I've been buying a lot is Aurora, Cassville, and Monet. Um, and then we typically, uh, we've bought a lot of flips. So uh, we buy really, a lot of the stuff that people say, man, you need to demolish that. That's the stuff I've gone after a lot. And uh, we have a really good contracting crew that we work with and uh, have built a really strong relationship with them. And then I'm actively looking to build another, or partner with another crew and uh, you know, to kind of get to where I could scale. And then uh, most of our deals we do off market or we, we do it with wholesalers. Like we've done, our, me and you did our first deal a couple weeks or maybe it's been a month ago. And that was pretty awesome. So uh, I'm always looking for more right, deals. Right. And I give finders fees to people that send me deals. So if anyone wants to send me a deal, um, yeah, just reach out to me. Absolutely. I think that's, yeah, you're getting networked, you're connected, you're looking around yourself for properties. But yeah, I've, I've always, I've been surprised, not surprised, but impressed by the uh, types of properties that, you know, you guys take on, you do some large rehabs, um, which a lot of people, like you said, they don't want to touch those. They're, you know, they're looking for something else that everybody else is looking for the light rehab on a three bed, two bath, whatever it is. But sounds like you're willing to go for some of those larger rehabs. I mean, has, has that panned out? Do you, have you found success yeah, in, in doing uh, those? I think that's kind of where our bread and butter is. And it, something that kind of makes me and my wife laugh is like a lot of people, like a lot of investors that we know, uh, they'll see that a property needs a new roof and then they're automatically out. And we're like, man, that's not even that bad. <laughs> so to us, it's just like, if we can, if we figure we can, tip, typically on a house, like I won't touch it unless I think I can make at least a $30,000 profit. And um, of course, speed, like, like I know you've done some good deals where you were able to flip them really quick. So if I was able to take like a $20,000 prof, profit for flipping a property in a month, then yeah, I'd be all over that. But a lot of my rehabs are a lot more extensive and they take longer. So, uh, you know, it just depends on the deal. Right. Where does it go from here with real estate? I know you said 50 apartment units is, is the goal for this year. That's what you're wanting to focus on is just building up that rental portfolio. Like long term, where do you want to be at with is it a unit count? Is it cash flow monthly? I mean, what what do you want to grow to on the on the real estate? portfolio? So I might side? change my mind later in life. But as of right now, my biggest goal is to own 20,000 apartments by the time I'm 65. And I don't want to do, I don't want, I yeah. want to own it myself or me and my wife. I don't want to do like syndication deals. I want to like pure, pretty much 100% own, own them. So that's, that's the big goal. Very nice. Along with I like, like you know, being able to travel anytime we want. Um, we'd like to own a jet one day. Uh, we'd like to do good with the jet too. Like if we could help someone um, somehow or, you know, like we, I'm big into like giving and like charity and stuff like that. So one of our other goals is to start a charity. Um, I'm really passionate about like helping people out of sex trafficking and stuff like that. So we're, we're we've talked about maybe um, giving like large amounts to uh, underground Operation Underground Railroad or partnering with them somehow, or maybe just starting our own uh, charity where we assemble like an ex-military Navy SEAL guys that go and and help help those women and, and, and there's boys and men that are stuck in like there's slavery, um, 
I mean, there's, it's just horrible what, what's happening. And I mean, it's here in America too. It's really sad. So, uh, we just are really passionate, or at least I am really passionate about, um, that. And if we could help somehow, that's kind of what I'm really leaning towards. That's so good. It's so good because, uh, I mean, I, very glad, you know, movies like The Sound of Freedom, you know, coming out and bringing awareness to these issues. It's so good to have goals and business and, and real estate and where we want to get to. And But I like the fact that you have specific goals with, you know, these charitable donations, organizations that you want to join or, or start in the future and having some specifics there too, because you can have the thought of, well, someday, you know, I'll start giving more, um, you know, I'll figure it out at that point. What you're touching on as far as having those specific places to give and be a part of, because there are a lot of people that, you know, have these big goals in real estate as do you and I, but then nothing really on the, the charitable side on giving, but you have those specifics that, Hey, this is a, an issue that I want to be a part of and help solve. Like God has called me to give to this person or that. Uh, and, and that is huge that you've got those in mind as well as the real estate goals. So that's, and, and, you know, to be doing that today, you've talked about how, Hey, I already tithe. I'm already helping, um, many out, um, currently and it, cause it doesn't get easier later. It's something you have to start now. So I, I'm glad that that's a, a big emphasis for you on the goal side. Yeah. Everyone says, Oh, give me a million dollars. I'll easily give a hundred thousand, but will you really? Cause I mean, a hundred thousand dollars is a lot of money. So mm -hmm. if you, you know, I, I believe that if you don't start early, it just gets harder and harder because you're like, and people might get more stingy and be like, Oh, I don't want to give that much. 10% doesn't seem that much when it's small amounts, but whenever it gets to bigger amounts, it just gets harder. So I always encourage people to start young Start whenever you don't think, like I started at four giving $4 when I was making $40 a month or $40 a week. So, I mean, just start early and, and make it a habit. Right. Absolutely agree. And for you with goals then, is there a certain way that you set them up as far as uh, timelines that you give different goals or methods that you use to track how you're doing on those? Um, what's, what's kind of your uh, way of going about that? So every single day, pretty much, I write out my goals. Like I type them out in my notes and it's, it's pretty long. It's like a paragraph at least this long of goals. And so, uh, but that helps me keep track. I have five main ones and a lot of them like, like my, so the first one is serve the Lord my God and honor him and give God the glory. And two is being, be an amazing husband and father and be patient and kind and love Haley the way that God wants me to. And then number three gets more into specifics like of my goals for 2023, 2024, and 2025. So like three, the next three years. And then goal four talks about like my life. So by age 30, I want to accomplish this. By age 35, do this. By age 40, do this. By 45, do this. And then by age 60. And that's where I talk about, um, you know, uh, owning my 20,000 apartments. So I kind of have them broken up by that. And then the fifth goal is uh, be the... Be exactly the man that God created me to be and honor him. Um, and then just some more similar goals like that. So it's stuff that is like a lot of, a lot of like one, two, and five are goals that are very like, it's constantly, I have to be working on them like every day. It's not this, okay, I'm going to just achieve this one day. It's like, 
it's like my walk with God or my um, just continual growth with my family and everything. Hmm. And then yeah. um, goal uh, three and four talk about like specific um, things that I want to accomplish. And uh, like I said before, like if, if ever I feel like I don't really care about doing this goal anymore, I just change the goal or change the deadline if I'm not going to hit the deadline. And so, um, like I said, there's no unrealistic goal, just unrealistic de deadlines. So That's good. I like that, actually. Yeah, there's no unrealistic goals, just unrealistic deadlines uh, that, yeah, sometimes you got to adjust and, and, hey, maybe you got it done sooner, maybe you got to push it back, but you got to stay persistent to get there and not just, well, it didn't happen, you know, we'll move along. But general goals, specific goals, what you got, you go over them daily. All these things are huge because it's constantly on your mind. You're thinking about how can I improve this? How can I get there faster? And or maybe you know add this on. Uh, I, I really uh, it it makes sense to wh where you've gotten in the last few years because of your consistency in these things. And you know we talk about goals you have in the future. I'm curious, have you always done this? You know, making writing goals down. Uh, you know, having timelines for a year or whatnot, and and have those you know come through for you. So early on, uh, I didn't do it as well as I do it now. I, I've obviously tweaked it quite a bit. But uh, this is a really, really cool story that me and my wife love to tell. So back whenever we had been dating for about two years, I think I had written this. So so we, get, we started dating when we were 15, and I'm 26 now. But uh, whenever we were, like, I think 17, uh, I had written out, date, date Haley McCord, uh, get A's and B's, and make varsity sophomore year or something like that. And those were my three goals I had at the time. And she found that two years later that I had written it, she found one of my notebooks and saw that. And that was so cool because, like, shortly after I had written out that goal, um, you know, we were dating, and now we've been married for, you know, four years now or whatever. So um, it's just cool to see, like, like, look, I did it. I did all those things, and I made them happen. That's so cool. Yeah, way back in the day, 15 years old, making goals about, Hey, this is what, uh, I need to achieve right here, right now. And yeah. looks like it came through. Uh, so that I like that. I, you had touched on something earlier about, you know, having a mentor somebody that you're able to, you know, was able to help you out in a lot of ways. Um, at that time, especially with the, uh, I, you know, the phone store, uh, do you still have a mentor today? What was that relationship or is that like, and, and tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So I've had several, um, mentors throughout the years um i think like mentors is like it's literally like they give you cheat cheat codes basically to life and let you just like get wherever you're trying to get a lot faster so yeah i, I still have several mentors and like like my pastor is a mentor so i don't believe that you need one mentor for everything i believe you need mentors for different areas of your life like um so like spiritually and then uh I, I think I have one for business, obviously, and actually a few for business. And, and then I eventually I want to hire like a personal trainer and then um, just these people that can make me better and all, all around better, like health, wealth, spiritually, everything. So I want to continue growing and becoming the best I can be. I've, I've invested, um, I think now I'm around 35000 that I've invested into personal development stuff. So like going to seminars, coaches, just different things like that. And uh, I want to, next year, one of my goals is it'd be cool to spend close to 100000 just in one year on 
personal growth and stuff and going to these events because if I if I invest in myself that much what like that literally will translate to millions because you can't just take on all this information like I'm not the type of person that just takes in information and doesn't do anything with it if I can just learn a little bit and then apply and apply 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 then I mean it'll translate to millions so I'm excited about I don't know I'm just excited about life and the direction we're going and I'm I was reflecting the other day about like how, how where we started and then where we are today, and it's nowhere where I want to be. Like I want to be much further than I am now, but it's just so humbling, and I'm just so thankful to be in the position I am today. Hmm. Investing back into yourself in, in a lot of different areas, especially business, is, is huge because you can have a, a season or a time of like learning, learning, learning. Okay. You know, I'm doing these flips. All right. I got this apartment. And then you can, you, there's the temptation or tendency to just stay there. Right. And to not continue to push yourself to learn more because, Hey, I've got this great, you know, thing that's working. We're making money. I already know more than so-and-so and Hey, you know, I'm fine, but you're not of that mindset. You're saying, I'm going to continue to learn. I'm going to continue to put a lot of time, money, energy into educating myself right now, increase my earning capacity, learn things I may not have before, because that's going to translate, I think, tenfold. I mean, I know even for myself personally, I got into real estate, I've you know done a lot of wholesaling. Well, there's a lot of strategies and things that I've learned within wholesaling that have allowed me to do deals I couldn't otherwise. And then other forms of investing like long-term rentals or short-term flips. So yeah, doubled, doubling down, in learning and reinvesting in education, like you said, 100,000, yeah, making millions of dollars with that new uh, knowledge and time spent, uh, that that's big. Has that something you've always had or has that desire kind of grown uh, more recently? I think it's grown, like one of my, one of the things that I've always wanted to do like when I was a teenager was go to like a Tony Robbins thing and some of them, some of those business mastery things are like $10,000 for a week or whatever and so I always was like really intrigued by that and like the type of people that could pay that kind of money to go to something like that and I always wanted to become one of those people so I don't know it was just really cool how big is uh, a role as networking played in you know your your 20s and your business is that something you you really focus on I, mean, I, I can tell with the mentorship that you've got great people in your life yeah so I, I don't feel like I'm necessarily the best networker like like I, I feel like I can make connections pretty well, but um, I feel like there's just certain thing. Like I, I feel like I'm very strategic about it. Like I go to like try to learn from one person. If I can go and meet this person, I think they can take me to the next level or whatever. So um, I don't feel like I network like crazy with everyone, but like the few connections that I really want, I go after and I usually make them happen. Hmm, that's big. I, I like it. Well, uh, Jason, I want to move on to kind of the part in the podcast where we ask the same four questions to each guest. So if you're ready for that, I will fire them at you. Uh, The first being, what is one of the best pieces of advice you've been given? I would say write out your goals. Yeah, I like it. You've clearly done that yourself and kind of shown us the, the power of that. So writing them out, that's good. What is one of your favorite business books? I would say Rich Dad Poor Dad. I think that is a game changer for everyone that reads it. Like it's very eye-opening. It's easy to read. Um, I'm, you've you've read it, right? 
Yes. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it, it's helped a lot of people get into real estate or at least realize like, you know, the power of real estate and business in general. So I, I think every, right. every entrepreneur or aspiring entrepreneur needs to read that book. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Rich dad, poor dad. Number three, what is one character trait you notice that successful people commonly share? You have to have a target that you're going after. Like I said, you can't hit a target you can't see. So you have to have those goals or those things that you're constantly looking at to, to, and then work on bridging the gap. That's what I think the successful people do that every day. And they worked on high level tasks that, that get them closer to their goals. Yes. Absolutely. I like it. I, I think that is a huge, huge component I've seen in, yeah, other successful people as well. Yeah. Uh, and then number four uh, is simply where can people connect with you um, and reaching out? Uh, um, you can follow me on Facebook or Instagram. And then uh, pretty soon I plan to start my own podcast. Uh, I think we're going to call it the Crema podcast or something along those lines. But um, I'm excited. I think uh, what you're doing, I really appreciate and think that you're doing an amazing job with the circle growth podcast and our growth circle podcast. Sorry. And, uh, I don't know. I'm just, I'm excited for everything you're doing, Lincoln. You're doing amazing. Hey, I, I appreciate it. It's helpful to have guys like yourself that I can run alongside with, you know, get some ideas and just that motivation from, you know, seeing you do the same thing. So I, you know, I, I agree with you there. And, you know, one, I guess one other thing I'll ask you, is there anything else, you know, we covered a lot, your story, I've, you know, really neat hearing about those different businesses and, and real estate goals and such. Any question that you wish I would have asked during the podcast? Uh, nothing that you would ask, but I just want to inspire people to believe in themselves. I, I do, I ha do hashtag believe in yourself on every one of my posts because I feel like that's the thing that really helped me is every day I worked on myself. Every day I believed in myself, even when it was hard and like literally the crap hits the fan and you know, you, it's just part of life. But if you don't believe in yourself, then how are you going to achieve all the things that you're wanting to achieve in life? So I think everyone needs to believe in, in themselves. I really want to inspire them to think more outside the box and think about what their dreams are and go and take actionable steps to make them happen. Because so many people uh, start out, their kids, they have all these aspirations, they have all these things they want to do, and they think it'd be so cool to do this stuff. And then they give up because life hits them in the face and then they just back off and, and get a job or get just, you know, they just get something that's not what they really want. So I want you guys to be more choosy and go after it and make it happen. That's a great message. And I think it's going to be something that helps a lot of people listening and something that people need to hear, you know, in yeah. today's day and age when that's not the, the common message that's, that's preached, but a crucial one. So Jason, I, I appreciate you coming on, um, taking some time here. It's great conversation and yeah, uh, I, thanks for joining the, the growth circle podcast. Yeah. Thanks for having me, man. Definitely. Well, if you all found value from this podcast episode, like I did, please give us a review and, and rating after watching here and we will catch you on the next one.